Welcome to episode eight of Extraordinary Jews, the untold story of the from neurodiverse population. This is Debbie Ginsberg of Organize You for Life, and I am so happy to introduce you to my guest, Gershon Braun. Gershon is a registered nurse and autoimmune wellness and breath coach. His varied nursing experience and personal health journey have led him to explore and better appreciate the role of lifestyle in health and wellness. Personally experienced the benefits of a holistic approach to disease, he is a champion of non-toxic and mind-body approaches to wellness and is particularly passionate about helping others actualize their divinely innate health. Welcome, Gershon. I want to begin our conversation by speaking about your non-medicinal approach to helping people in a holistic way. So you are a facilitator of Breathworks. Can you please tell our audience about this service and how it can help them? Yes. First of all, good morning, uh, Debbie. Thanks for having me here. It's, uh, it's, uh, thanks for the opportunity. It's great to be able to share some of, some of what's going on out there, some of my own experience, and also providing an invaluable tool for people who, who are looking for more and uh, want to help themselves. Um, and certainly a, a great foundation to start from, which is the desire just to want to help yourself and to be, be in touch with that um, uh, uh, in, internal uh, desire. So um, I do breath work. Um, it's, uh, something that, uh, personally is a part of my life as a foundation in my life. And I have also been offering it to the public, uh, and whether it's been in a group setting or one-on-one, -on -one. uh, and, uh, breathwork has been transformative for me personally, and I've seen it do the same for other people. And um, just to give a little bit of background, just to understand when I, when I talk about breathwork, what I mean by breathwork. Um, and because there's, uh, if anybody's you know, aware of what's been going on out, outside in, 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 the, in the psychology space and what's popular, um, certainly if you're aware of, you know, um, the cutting edge with psychedelics and holotropic breathwork, um, there are different types of breath work. Uh, there's so much you can do with the breath, uh, and you know, and, and how you use it, how you uh, harness it. So the breath work that I do is particularly focused on helping people restore balance internally, helping people have a good balance with their, you know, with their nervous system. So they're not perhaps feeling overwhelmed. So they're typically working from a space of just being present, focused, um, and with the ability to respond rather than react. So my breathwork is, is more focused on just being present, uh, reducing stress, and um, so more empowering the self to be able to make decisions from a, uh, from a calm and uh, flexible space. Uh, contrast that to perhaps holotropic breath work, transformative breath, which uh, certainly the, the from clientele might be a little more uh, aware of. Um, and that's more of a rapid type of breathing 
with an intention just to bring up some deeper, perhaps deeper um, material that may be stored in our bodies. That's very helpful as well, but it's a different type of breath. So, um, so let's say, let's start with a little bit of just a, some reflection about breath, the breath. So if we think about it, the medium through which we are living and how we are alive is our breath. It's breathing, the breath that we're taking right now. There's something about the breath that makes it unique, independent of all the other body functions um, and systems that perhaps are, are constantly in operation. And that is that the breath gives us life. It's unique in that God chose that to be our lifeline. So it would reason that if you tap into that, that there's something fundamental and foundational as in the way that it can influence your being, your aliveness, because we're just doing it all the time. And it's, it's the divinely chosen medium through which you and I are here right now. Right. And I want to, so, I know you want to, you're going to continue, but I wanted to uh, steer the conversation a little bit about the uh, subconscious and how we have these physiological symptomology that will indicate that we're out of alignment, such as a stomach ache, a headache, whatever, these things that will let us know, they're signals that let us know that we need to start becoming more aware of the symptomology because our bodies do need to go into what you do, which is the breath work. And I just want to add that I personally have mm -hmm. found breath work to help me through when I've had to face major surgery, uh, right. flying on a plane, uh, sometimes driving, the things that people can get phobic about um, or get tense about, stressed over. Yeah. This uh, breath work really is extremely important and something that we really have to practice every day in order to maintain homeostasis uh, in the body, which is, so you could take it from there on that physiological. Yeah, um, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. And uh, certainly it can be helpful in a moment um, when you're experiencing some type of overwhelm or panic. I was at the dentist the other day and while my mouth was open for like a half hour straight, I was just, you know, tuning into my breath and using it to, to get anchored because as even if you're not, if you don't have a pho phobia of dentistry, it's difficult to keep your mouth open for so long while, while there's all this, uh, you know, water and moisture uh, trying to uh, be swallowed. So, yeah. Um, so just getting back to, to my thought, um, you know, uh, you know, in addition to tapping into the breath and it being something that's central to our existence, which therefore it could, it could provide a clue, perhaps um, a guide map into being able to work on the things that we're experiencing in life at any given at any given point. I think of it also as a way that every breath that we're given, every in breath that we take, it's a, a divine, it's a divine gift, and it's a mandate for us to be alive. It's God saying, "Hey." I want you to be alive. I love you. I'm giving you this, this right now. And every exhale, every out breath 
is our ability to give back and say, okay, I trust you too. So it's initially God saying, I trust you. Take this. Here's a breath. I gave it to you. You know, and, and whether you deserve it or not, it's just, I'm giving it to you. And breathing out is saying, I trust you, God. I trust you and I'm giving it back. I can let go and not hold on to this and the fear that perhaps I'm not going to have another one. And so at the very found, on the foundational level, to me, breathing um, is, is really a, an experience of trust and bi-directional both ways. But uh, so now bringing it back to more of, a, I guess, you know, a practice and, and a clinical use. And as you're saying, talking about uh, symptoms. So the amazing thing about, about uh, breathing is that we're doing it all the time. Yeah. You're here right now. Chances are you're breathing. <laughs> and I hope so. <laughs> hopefully not holding your breath. Um, although there's a there there's that there's less a use for breath holds, but that's you know for a later a later time. Um, so you're doing it all the time. Air, I, you know, typically is free. Thank God. Um, and until so the government gets a hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> a little sarcasm okay go ahead <laughs> so so it's so just, just to understand that as far as it being it being accessible that it's, it's we, we can always access our breath it's something that's portable wherever you are it's there with you the air is around you so just to it's something that therefore it doesn't cost money to do it's not doesn't have any adverse effects it's something that that if anything side effects are only are, are perhaps improved mood, um, improved uh, flexibility, clarity, clarity. Uh, yeah, and improved relationships. Yeah. So it, it's just to, for your listeners and, and for everybody to understand is is that once you get it, and it might take some time, perhaps working with somebody to get it. You know, um, some people are self driven; they could they figure it out on their own. They could you know, read enough and read, you know, research enough. But once you get it, you're not paying somebody or you're not taking a pill, um, you know, that, that, that comes with, with its own, with its own uh, baggage of, of, you know, of, uh, of uh, perhaps sometimes unwelcome um, components. So that's, that's what's to me, like, it's incredible about breathwork. It's free and it's accessible. Now, um, so I want to now let's talk a little bit about uh, the nervous system, so your listeners can understand, um, can understand how how why it is that breath work can help in the way that it does. So we all have a nervous system, and uh, some of us are more aware than others, perhaps different times of the day, you know. Some of us wake up and we're already in panic or stress and anxiety. Some of us, it takes, uh, you know, missing the bus in the morning or the train or, um, you know, our, our perhaps our appointment not starting on time. So the nervous system is just part of being human. And there are times that it's more active than others. And we may feel it with the tension in our back, with a lump in our throat, um, you know, with our stomach being uneasy. And we all know that if your nervous system is particularly activated, 
you'll feel overwhelmed. It'll be difficult to feel present. Your, your, your thoughts will be racing. So the amazing thing about breathwork is that there's a strong relationship between the lungs and the brain. So, for instance, when you're feeling uh, anxious, when you're feeling threatened, let's say for your safety, you will most likely sweat. You'll feel your your palms get sweaty. You your heart rate will increase. And you'll feel sometimes you may even feel like your whole body pulsating if you're you know if, if you're in a particularly uh, stressed state. And additionally, you'll notice that if you're stressed or if you're um, frightened, your breathing will will uh, be more rapid. It will increase in, in, in its uh, pace. So that's what happens when that's, that's how the nervous system responds to stress, right? We call it the fight or flight mode. You know, I'm assuming most people that are listening are familiar with it, that you're, you know, when you're in a particularly aroused nervous state, you're well, either going to hyper, hyper arousal. Yeah. I, okay. Hyper arousal. So you'll either <laughs> be, uh, you'll either be running, flying. Um, now they also, we also know there's an added component. There's this possibility of freezing, which is just being like stuck, you know, not doing anything because you like, you're not sure what to do, but you're just overwhelmed. So um, in that state, the nervous system sends out, let's say chemicals, neurotransmitters and different parts of your body respond in certain ways. And we know with the lungs, you'll breathe quicker, more shallow. That's That type of breathing is indicative of uh, perhaps anxiety or a stress state. So the chemicals, the, the communication between the brain and the lungs doesn't just go in one direction. So it's not just that when you're stressed and you walk out in the street and a car just comes around the corner without you expecting it, that you're brain will send signals and your nervous system will be aroused and send signals to your lungs and therefore you'll breathe quicker and more shallow. The communication also goes the opposite way. What your lungs do will send, will also send, what they're winning with the state that they're in will also be communicated to your brain, which is great news because if you learn to intentionally breathe in certain ways, a certain rhythm rate, you can influence the messages that your brain is getting. So perhaps in an otherwise a state or situation where you would be stressed, anxious, nervous, um, scattered, you can actually change the physiology, work on yourself in the moment so that your brain will get the messages that I'm calm, I'm present, I'm cool. I'm collected. So uh, we refer to that as the neuroplasticity of the brain. In other words, the brain, we say the brain is made of plastic, but it's really not. But basically what it is, we can recondition uh, our habits. Uh, what, what we teach is that if in a moment of stress, we are able to help you with your breathing and help you to calm down, your brain will actually become reconditioned, rewired to recognize this stress and then go into a calm mode. And it's it's quite fascinating because I had to do this, as I mentioned, but prior to having some really major surgeries, I was practicing and practicing. 
going back a few generations, we did the Lamaz, not a few generations, maybe two, Lamaz method, which was when women were preparing for labor and we wanted to prepare for natural birth. So the pain would be intense at different parts of the labor process. And by practicing the breathing that we did in Lamaz, we were able to keep the body, the brain uh, then responded in a calm way so that the process would, you know, the brain would take over and not uh, be in this anxious mode, which is what they were trying to avoid. So therefore that's a reconditioning. And that's, that's what we're discussing here. And it's, it works. It's amazing. And I, I just wanted to interject that thought. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I used to make the jokes when I was younger, let's do Lamas breathing. And like, you know, and perhaps hold on to her, her diaphragm and then breathe. So, um, definitely good memories when I think of Lamas. Yeah. Um, hoping my mother <laughs> used it well. Yeah, yeah, certainly worked for us over, I mean, I could say it worked for me and uh, you've yeah. seen the product of what's come out. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, obviously it worked well. I've got calm boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, I'm here as well. So I'm assuming that Lamas helped my mother. So I'm thankful to Lamas because yeah. I'm sure it was part of her birthing with me, yeah. but um, so that's the so the people don't understand and you know, and they I think they take it for granted that okay I'll, yeah breathe might feel good yeah okay I, once I did it you know I did some diaphragmatic breathing I did it but like no we know that scientifically it's it's deeper than that that actually your brain will respond to your lungs so if you intentionally, um, you know. Uh, harness your breath, your lungs will send messages to your brain and you can feel calm when otherwise you may not, your situation doesn't warrant it. So that's just the backdrop, just the foundation to understand about the lung brain connection and how it affects the nervous system. Right, so it's practicing and we know that in order for our, the catalyst of the brain to make those changes is practice. And there is also that concept of going outside your comfort zone. So people, some, many of my clients don't feel so comfortable breathing. They don't, they can't, you know, like you said, it takes time for them to adjust to it. But as we work on it, um, it is something that I will say to my clients, you really need to do this several times a day. And it will eventually become so a part of you that the body and the brain, which is the body, the mind body connection it yeah. will uh, create this, you know, wonderful effect of you feeling calmer. I'm going to yeah. segue if if it's okay, because um, I really want to talk about a little bit and we're, we're not going to have too much time, but I want to talk about some of the non-conventional, you and I've had these conversations and the first time you mentioned to me, you, you, you probably remember my eyes opening wide and, and my response to your discussion on non-conventional me methods to help people who are neurodivergent. Um, I'm referring to CBD and ketamine. And I was, of course, as the product of a child, you know, that went through the sixties, you know, using uh, psych psychedelic drugs and all that had a negative impact on me, but you corrected me and you led me into a discovery of research. And now I see the benefits. And I want you to share with us today about these methods and why um, psychedelic drugs in a certain, it's, they're called mini psychedelics, perhaps you'll micro psychedelics, you'll, you'll, you'll correct me and direct the audience on this subject. So yeah, before I, I get to that, um, I just want to just make a point. I'm 
um, um, before we actually make that complete segue um, <laughs> regards to breath that yes, there are people who would feel like they can't do it. Like they're not capable or they just like after like a half a minute, they, they just get discouraged. Every there's, there's a point of entry for everybody. It's just a matter of, of, of establishing it and then expanding it. You know, like we talk about, I guess, you know, in, in from world we talk about Shuva, we know there's an idea that you make a small hole, you know, with a pin and you say Hashem will open the rest of it. You just got to make a small hole. So if you just, there's always a starting point at which any given person is at and it's just a matter of patience, flexibility and persistence that you could expand that space and your starting point of where you're at to be able to use breath work to get present. So I just wanted to make a point that no, that okay. there isn't there isn't any there isn't anybody and and I've worked with somebody in particular who just doesn't know how to breathe slowly and we had a, a first session together she experienced a transformation that she had never had prior to that so it was actually really encouraging. That's um, great so, to know. That's very important. Yeah. Okay. So getting back to so your last question so I can't speak much to to the, the to the psychedelics particularly with ADHD I could speak about it just a little bit in general about you know that that where it's being used and what some of the benefits and the results that we're seeing yes there are people who have used it who also um, have ADHD and it has helped them as well but specifically about the science um, when it, as it pertains to ADHD or having uh, like firsthand um, uh, knowledge of somebody using it, particularly for ADHD, I, 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 that I don't have, I don't want to be misleading about that. But um, I would say two things. One, um, psychedelics in general, we know from the research that what they do is that they take you out of this state that's called um, that where where you're what's called the default mode network, otherwise in short the DMN. Take you out of the state where your default mode network is is primarily being the space that you're in, where you're think and how you're thinking and how your brain is working, which is a space that we tend to go to when we're just thinking about ourselves, and getting lost in our own thoughts about ourselves, which is often happens with OCD, anxiety, even depression. That like you're kind of just stuck thinking about how am I going to get out of this. Oh, this is happening again. This is me. Oh, this always happens when that person does this. It's going to be the same. Or like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about that? Oh my gosh, this is coming up. Apprehension, worry, anxiety. So th that those thoughts are often have a certain theme that they're about the self. And that is indicative of what's called the default mode network being active. It's a part of our brain that research more relatively recently has discovered um, in general, which is fascinating. So what we know is about uh, psychedelics actually helps people um, get out of that space where they're not so stuck in the default mode network and they could experience um, insights and, and a certain type of connections in the brain that otherwise don't happen. Um, so what I mean is that with psychedelics and i'm talking about usually on higher doses not like microdosing, which i think is what kind of what you were referring to in part of your question which we could come back to in a moment when you do a higher dose of psychedelics what's considered a therapeutic dose um, part of what's happening is that there are new connections being created in the brain 
and parts of the brain are talking to each other that typically don't talk to each other. It's fascinating. Actually, if you look, there's a book um, by Michael Pollan, I think I had mentioned to you, it's called uh, How to Change Your Mind. And there's an uh, image uh, towards the end, I think it is, showing what it looks like, uh, an imaging, you know, that they, that they, Mind mapping? You mean the, the mind stuff, mapping image? Kind of like, kind of. I guess it would, yeah, it would be called, perhaps it would be called mind mapping, where you see the brain, what it looks like when it's just in like perhaps it's a regular state, not on psychedelics, and what happens on psychedelics, and you see these incredible, you know, and they and they use color to 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 just as a graph to help you understand, and it's 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 amazing to see what's going on. There are new connections, and there are just crosstalk between parts of the brain that otherwise aren't talking to each other, which it seems like is is a part of the of the why we have the positive and improved effects that people have from psychedelics. But in general, psychedelics um, are, are helping on in this way, first of all, more immediate than your traditional medication, but also in a way that it's going deeper. It's affecting you on a deeper level, affecting your brain on a deeper level than typically what you're getting out of, let's say an antidepressant um, that might be working specifically on like one or two neurotransmitters. So um, that's why the research and the, and the, the progress with psychedelics are, is, is really exciting, really fascinating, and um, certainly worthwhile looking into if someone's um, curious uh, and, all, and also not having results the way they're having with, with what's conventionally what they've been trying out there or, or, or up until now. Um, regarding microdosing, so people are doing what's called taking microdoses of psychedelics, whether it's, you know, ketamine, uh, which is the only, currently the only federally approved uh, drug that's considered a psychedelic. There's ayahuasca, which some of your listeners may have, may have heard of. Um, and there's also psilocybin, which is, you know, active ingredient component or, um, in, uh, in certain type of mushrooms. And so people are taking micro doses of this on a regular basis, which actually became famous because of the entrepreneurs and people in Silicon Valley who were using it for productivity and to help them have greater focus, um, cultivate greater creativity or bring out their inner creativity. And um, there's definitely good anecdotal evidence that the microdosing of psychedelics could improve just quality of life, decrease anxiety, decrease depression, increase um, you know, feel, your access to your emotions, helping with if somebody has emotional ability, which often can happen with conventional medications. You know, you just, you might feel a little better, your depression might not be as bad, but you're also feeling more cold and more robotic, which amazingly um, psychedelics can have, has the potential to have the antidepressant, anti-anxiety effects, but not affecting your emotional, you emotionally, in fact, even, giving you a little more access and ability to, to, to uh, experience your emotions. Um, now, I know it's, it's kind of like difficult to get this all into like a couple of minutes. So I just, that was just a quick overview. I'm sure there'd be many questions about that if we had more time. CBD for, for point number two is that CBD um, has really, I'm really, uh, really fascinated by CBD and definitely has been some sort of a transformation that brought about a transformation in my own life. And in short, um, we all have cannabis in our body. Each one of us produce a cannabis-like 
um, a substance internally that um, has has been at play or been operational, been active from the time we were in our mother's womb. Uh, it's called the and and the system that regulates this internal substance that's like cannabis is called the endocannabinoid system. Endo meaning internal, cannabinoid. It's the name that was given. Cannabinoid system. So, what research has shown is that in different conditions, um, certainly um, you know illness, um, certain disorders, that that system is in chaos or it's dysregulated. There's something off about it. It's not balanced, which would implicate that if you would take external cannabis, whether it's in CBD or you know, different formulations or different variety of whether it's THC, which again, uh, perhaps its own podcast we can come back to, um, that the CBD that you would take helps balance your internal endocannabinoid system. So there's definitely some research of CBD being used for ADHD. People have had good results with it. Um, and it's really a matter of trial and error um, and you know, giving yourself a fair shot. But what happens is when you take that CBD, which is a plant-derived cannabinoid, and you put it in your system, so it's going to talk, it's going to be received uh, by a receptor in your body that knows how to speak that language. Right, your body speaking. You know, you can think about it, your body speaking many different languages. It's incredible. It's it's you know it's a divinely, you know, uh, um, uh, um, uh, produced, uh, sophisticated, beyond sophisticated piece of machinery. And there's different languages perhaps being spoken at all the same time. Your endocannabinoid system is speaking the language of said cannabis. So when you take something externally. In this case, perhaps CBD, it's going to speak to that system and bring about the effects that that system are, that system has or implicates in your body, which in this case could be a sense of calm, sense of focus, um, and uh, certainly could help with sleep. So just that's a little query, quick summary of how CBD could affect could could it help and improve um, with with focus and anxiety which is often an issue with people uh, of ADHD. That, that's great. I mean, I, I would like to just um, advise my clients, and then, I mean my clients, my audience, that it's really important if you're going to do these things to seek help, to not just do this on your own. So is there any, you know, how would the listeners get help with this so they don't just experiment on their own and possibly create a problem that they weren't expecting yeah so so uh so i i, I will say that I, I i you know everybody's different and you have to know yourself you know some people um uh, you know could uh are, are could take the time and do the research and you know they could try you know there's definitely i think we could all trust ourselves but certainly if um it's helpful to have somebody who has experience um and certainly um you know a med medical experience or or healthcare experience in this case. And um, so whether it's your doctor or, you know, uh, a therapist that you're working with, uh, personally, I, I do coach people 
uh, with CBD use or cannabis use and as well as breath work. Um, and if somebody wanted to reach me, you know, to, to talk about this and to see if, you know, if it's, if it's something that's appropriate for them and, and, you know, um, and to get the, uh, hand holding, hand holding and, and support, um, I'm, I'm available for that. Um, and, uh, and how can yeah. they reach you? So they can reach me. Um, my, my currently my website is healthactualized.com. That's H E A L T H A C T U A L I Z E D.com. And, and they could just click on one of the options over there. I do, uh, there's, there's a variety of services, including breath work, um, coaching, autoimmune wellness coaching, um, which includes CBD or cannabis coaching, um, or just to get on a discovery phone call to see, you know, to see what's up and uh, see if there's any way I can help. Um, so that's a way to reach me. That's great. Um, Gershon, I yeah. want, I, I'm going to have to wrap it up, but I wanted to sure. say that um, what I do know is that they are doing specific research uh, on the ketamine for ADHD. It is not complete just yet, but it is something that they're looking into as a separate entity. Um, I think it's fascinating. I think this whole conversation is fascinating. I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I was jotting down notes. I'm already on two pages of everything you taught me. Because uh, mm -hmm. the first time we had this conversation, I think was on a, a Yentif or a Shabbos and I couldn't write it down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So for sure, as you know, we progress in, in knowledge and all that, I would love to invite you back. And yeah. I'm going to um, remind my audience that, again, things that you learn here, these this information is obviously to bring benefit. We are discussing something that is really terrific because there is um, a lot of feelings from parents that they don't love the idea of putting their kids on traditional medicine. However, obviously, we want to be responsible. We want you to refer to your doctors to inquire about these things. We are not uh, suggesting, recommending on this show anything that, you know, uh, that you should just switch your your children or yourselves because that would not be a, uh, a wise move. But we thank you very much for joining us today. We are um, very excited by this broadcast. It is a discussion that needs to be had in the Jewish community. We are doing our best to bring you as much information from many different angles. Uh, we invite people to come on as a guest. You can reach me at Organize You for Life. This is Debbie Ginsberg. And thank you again for joining us and do share this with your community. Thank you. Thank you.